0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the PhD2B podcast, a podcast where we talk about graduate school. My name is Natalie, and today's episode is going to be on the emotional toll of comprehensive exams. Dallas isn't here with me today, so I have a special guest, which I will introduce after the intro music. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So, like I said in the introduction, today's episode is going to be on the emotional toll of comprehensive exams. But before we get into what the heck that even is, I want to introduce my friend Mark, who is with me on today's episode. Hi, Mark.
1: Hello, Natalie. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm super excited you're here. How are you doing?
1: Good. Thank you for inviting me. Um, This is my second appearance on the show for uh, longtime listeners I was part of the big four episode. Now it's yes. the small two, I guess.
0: <laughs> yes, Mark was on the episode Friendships in Academia, Oklahoma State Edition. I highly recommend you go listen to that episode if you haven't already. It's episode 11. And so, yeah, your second appearance. You have been, aside from Dallas, you have been like this, like the only other guest we've had more than once. So. Oh. I feel You're very special. Tribute. You're very special. So um, yeah, Mark. So I want to actually just bring attention to the fact that Mark was the one who brought up this topic and I love it. I think it's a really great topic. And so we're going to kind of dive into that today. Do we want to start with defining what a comprehensive exam is?
1: Yes, that would yeah. be great.
0: Yeah. So I just honestly just pulled up a basic Wikipedia page because it gets the work done. So I'm just going to go from there and then we'll kind of get into a little bit of the specifics. So a comprehensive exam, also known as COMPs, is pretty much an exam that students in higher education usually do. Um, We're obviously speaking for the humanities. Um, Mark was in English, specifically creative writing. We'll kind of talk about that a little bit later. I'm in rhetoric and composition. And so... A lot of our experiences are going to be situated in that knowledge, but there are other disciplines that do comprehensive exams. And so they are pretty much exams that must be completed by graduate students in some disciplines and courses of study. Some undergraduates, apparently, according to this Wikipedia page, also have comp exams. So I don't know what those look like, but that's actually pretty cool. I didn't know that was a thing. So it says gradual level comprehensive examinations are sometimes also known as preliminary examinations or prelims general examinations and qualifying exams, which is what Mark did. That was the name of the comprehensive exams at OSU. So um, different sort of terminology there. But essentially you pass them. Um, they can look um, just really different, honestly, but they essentially try to get you to understand the field of study, sort of a very broad range, and then maybe more specific depending on the field that you're in, and then you pass them and that's sort of your next step onto the dissertation or the thesis or or whatnot. And usually when you pass your exams, you are considered all but dissertation. So it's really just kind of like that middle step in between coursework and dissertation. So um We're going to talk about why this is so emotional and in like just all of our experiences with that. So, um, Mark, why did you want to talk about this topic on the podcast?
1: I think partly because you and I had had conversations about in the past and we both found it to be really emotionally exhausting. Um, And also, you know, our friend Sean, a third member of the big four, um, went through it and he really didn't have too much of a problem. Um, and so it's going to be different for everybody. Everybody has their own unique experience, and I think that's part of the. Um, I think that's part of the benefit of taking qualifying exams or comprehensive exams is that they're different for each person because so much of it is about your preparation, and how each of us prepares for the exam. I think that's really the point of the exercise more than anything else. And um, for Sean, it really wasn't that. really wasn't that difficult, or at least, you know, in terms of his description of it to us. Whereas for you and I, we had a harder time with it. And so I think um, it was worth talking about. And I think one of the things that I appreciate about your podcast, again, having only listened to one episode, the one I was in, um, but the gist from what I hear from Kayla and other people who are are, uh, routine listeners is that, you know, it's really great to have the opportunity to hear other experiences, in PhD programs or in graduate school, because we were lucky and that because we were friends, we were able to share our experiences. But I think about all those PhD students, all those graduate students who go through this experience kind of on their own, either because they have other obligations, family obligations, job obligations, they commute, all sorts of reasons why maybe you're not as social as other students. And as a result, you don't have the opportunity to talk about your experiences. And so then when you have challenges, emotional, social, academic, you feel like you're going through it by yourself and you don't recognize that it's not you, that this is part of the process and that it's actually pretty common. And so like to hear other people talk about these experiences, even though they're not universally true, can be really helpful for the people who are going through those things. And so just hearing that you went through it was really helpful for me, you know, because I didn't feel like, oh gosh, this is some default or this is some defect on my part, you know, where I didn't handle it correctly. It's actually just how different people respond to the pressures in different ways.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for, for that. And I, um, that's what I want this episode to be, to kind of be that insight, because a lot of the times, and we'll kind of go into a little bit of our own um, experiences, and maybe we can, you know, be a way for you to kind of talk about how you, what your graduate student experience was like, but then more specifically with comprehensive exams. Um, I think a lot of the times whenever we're applying to PhD programs, we see that that's like a requirement that comprehensive exams or qualifying exams are on there, but you don't really think about what that means I mean you're in the process of trying to apply and hope that you're going to get into a program that the details of the comprehensive exam are like not even it doesn't even matter and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because like part of me if I would have and we'll talk about this but if I would have known the emotional toll that I would have experienced with comp exams I would have been terrified um you know, starting the program. So part of me is also like happy that I didn't know that, but I also think that it's important. I think for these types of things, it's important for us to get started earlier and like mentally prepare for it earlier, because I think that's the reason why I had such a hard time with my comprehensive exams. So you know, you win some, you lose some. If I would have known, if I didn't know. I, you know, so
1: uh, yeah, it's funny because with Sean, who who we mentioned, um, you know, he actually thanked me afterwards. Cause I, I said, after he passed his first exam, I said, "Wow, it sounds like you didn't have too much trouble. Like you handled it much better than me. And he says, yeah, that thanks for scaring me. <laughs> so me I talking about my experience apparently scared him enough that he thought it was gonna be worse. And so for him, it wasn't as big of a deal. I would say in my case, to your point, I think part of the stress came from the fact that it was entirely new for me. Mm. I had never taken a qualifying exam. I didn't entirely know what, what it was. Um, I had heard other students talk about it. And again, likewise, you hear sort of good and bad, um, but just not knowing what it was like. And I'm one of those people, perhaps like you, when, when I've not done something before, it's much scarier to me because of the unknown. Um, whereas if I've done it once, I get better at it. But that first time doing something where it's brand new to me, whether it's a qualifying exam or dissertation defense, it feels scary because it's so unknown. I've never done this before, so I'm not sure if I'm doing it correctly.
0: And you, you said something earlier, like uh, like really earlier on to, on the episode, um, was like the hard part is, a, is like going through it. It's not even like the actual like content or whatnot. And so I guess what I'm trying to get to that point is, it's almost like the mental part of the exam is the hardest and like not knowing and getting through that, not knowing and learning. It's like not even the content of it. And we'll kind of Absolutely. get into the content, but like it's almost that fear and that mental and like not knowing what you're getting into or what you you have to do and whether or not you're doing right. That's the hard part about comprehensive exams.
1: Absolutely. And also like so much of it is about the expectations that you place on yourself and what, what you want to get out of it and how you want to perform um i have to be honest you know while of course there was always that fear i don't want to fail who wants to fail i never really thought i was going to fail like i never really had that fear i was always sort of like i think i can do a good enough job that i can at least pass the stupid thing it was mostly having expectations for how i wanted to perform and my own sort of goals which specifically for the first one And it was a very simple goal. I wanted to be able to write about the subject and go into my defense and not feel as though I was faking it, You know, not feel as though I was talking above my head and didn't really know what I was talking about. So in my case, as you know, my subject for my literature exam was metafiction and intertextuality. And I wanted to be able to have a conversation about metafiction and intertextuality as I understood it through all of my research and my reading list, where I felt like I really sort of knew what I was talking about. Not that I was gonna be able to cite every expert or every book, but that I could talk about it intelligently and not feel as though I was faking it. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with faking it because I think, and you and I have talked about this, You know, I took a class on affect theory and, and then I sort of sat in on some classes in a subsequent class because I didn't feel like I really understood it. I could sort of talk about it in a kind of broad, abstract way. But even now, I don't feel like I really understand the subject as well as I would like. And so I wanted to be able to go into a defense or write my exams in such a way that I felt like I was really drawing on base knowledge that I really understood. And so that was a maybe a high bar, maybe not. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to teach a class on a subject, particularly to graduate students, that's sort of where you want to be. And so I felt like the the process of going through the exam and trying to get myself to that point wasn't just about passing the exam. It was trying to prepare myself to become an instructor at the graduate level so I could teach a class on metafiction or the short story cycle and really feel as though I knew what I was talking about.
0: All of that is absolutely amazing and so many points that I want us to return to. Um, Can we give a little bit of background on the comprehensive exams that you took and like why you took them? So just, I mean, let us know a little bit about like what your PhD was on because- we're talking about dr mark um by the way and so let's give a little bit of background on that and then kind of get into the specifics and then return to this expectation thing because i think this is the the biggest thing that i learned while i was doing my uh, comprehensive exams
1: sure um so i took uh, two qualifying exams my primary was in creative writing fiction specifically the short story cycle and then the second my secondary was literature and the, the field was metafiction and intertextuality. I took them back to back, by which I mean I took the literature one in the fall and the fiction one in the spring. So it was all within a calendar year. And I took the the literature one first because I, I was more nervous about that one um, because there was three questions instead of two for the fiction exam. And also um, I felt like the reading list was a bit more uh, new to me and and a bit more intimidating because there was a lot of theory I, I sort of leaned into the theory part of it. And so I wanted the summer to read. And then I could sort of start, do that one in the fall. And then, as I said, having done it once, I found, for me, the second exam was much easier because I had already been through the process once. Um, and so um, the first one in literature, I thought went well. Um, but it was, again, that was the one where I really felt like I want to be able to go into my defense and really know what I'm talking about. Um, with the fiction one, likewise, but I felt like because I was, um, I'd been working on fiction and short story cycles for a while, and I had already taken the, the literature exam in the fall, I felt a bit more comfortable. Um, and um, I will say that, like, I probably overprepared, but I would say that for me, and this is, I kept coming back to the idea of what's the point of the exercise? Yeah, we want to pass but why am I actually doing this? And what I came up with for me was that the process of preparation was developing a methodology. And I actually go back to a class that you and I took in our first semester together at Oklahoma State with Dr. Wallen. Oh, we were yeah. in intro to graduate studies and it was a difficult class, um, yeah, it was. but I always felt like the thing Dr. Wallen was trying to teach us in intro to grad studies was good scholarly practices. Mm-hmm. right? And that it was it was a sort of preparation for the exam in some way. And that what I learned in that class was a methodology for writing a seminar paper, for writing a conference paper. I had written those in the past, but nobody had spent an entire semester working on my methodology for how to write a seminar paper, for how to write a conference paper. So even little tips that we picked up, I don't know if you recall, but like um, one of our classmates asked, can you use a dissertation, Published dissertation as yes, a source, that.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And Dr. Wallen said, "Well, not really. That's not really smart. But what you can do is you can go to the bibliography and look at the sources that the dissertation used, and you can steal those sources because if it's a dissertation that's on your same subject, more than likely they're drawing from the same well that you should be drawing from." And I always said that was one of the smartest tips, and I passed that on to my students. Yeah, you know, so like whenever they're working on, even if it's just a you know a little five page research paper for comp. I'll, I'll tell them, look up the bibliography for one of your sources and start to steal from their yeah. bibliography and look at the same sources. And so that was just a methodology point, right? And so I felt like having three months, four months to prepare for the exam was me developing a methodology for A, how would I prepare for teaching a class on the subject? Mm-hmm. Or conversely, as a writer, as a creative writer, if I was going to write a book on the subject, how would I prepare for writing the book? in terms of developing my research, delimiting my field, deciding what to include, what not to include, um, deciding you know what are gonna be my foundational texts, what are gonna be sort of the secondary texts, my primary research, secondary research. How am I gonna take notes? How am I gonna synthesize all this information? It's okay, you can read 40 books, 50 books. How do you make sense of it? Yeah. You know? So all of the sort of things that I came up with that were specific to me were methodology things. Like I took notes versus like even simple things like figuring out, okay, first time I went through and I I was like trying to read novels, I would highlight things and I'd write little notes in the margin. And I realized that was just too slow and tedious. Mm. And so it was, it was slowing me down too much. And so I just developed this as a small little thing that was unique to me. I'm not saying it's brilliant. I was just like, I need to get through the books as fast as possible. So if I come across something useful, I'm just going to dog ear the page. I'm going to like fold down the corner and not worry about it and come back to it. And so I try to get through the book as quickly as possible. Then I'd go back to the pages that I had marked. Then I'd reread those pages and I'd look for things to highlight. And but the main thing I realized was that I can't take notes while I'm reading. I have yeah. to just get through the book as fast as I can. Yeah. That's unique to me. I didn't know that until I started preparing for the exam because when I was when I was, you know, preparing for a class, I, it wasn't under the same kind of constraints have to read it was like reading you know a dozen or so you know over the course of 16 weeks right and so this was just a sort of process thing that I discovered that was unique to me for trying to prepare for the exam and now that's what I do whenever I'm trying to prepare anything I sort of understand these little quirks you know I made a big binder that had all of my notes that I typed up you know for each of the texts again not everybody needs to do that I just realized that for me, that was really helpful. Not even so much the binder, but going through the process of making the binder. And so ultimately what I, came, what I came to understand, at least for me, was that I got the most out of the exams by looking at the preparation for the exams as being the point of the exercise. That I was learning a methodology that I would reuse for teaching classes and for preparing books.
0: Yeah. And you shared all these things with me when I was doing my exams. I don't remember when, I don't remember if it was before or after my exams, but you shared that with me. And I think that that really helped me understand, like, kind of like you said, you, like the way that you started off, like, what was the point? Like, what, what is this trying to do? And, and I, it's funny, because like, I obviously am done with exams. um, And so I'm, my friends are preparing for their exams. I have a couple friends who are, you know, in the think of reading and all those types of things and i keep remind, trying to remind them um, like think about like it's is it is it reading to understand this theory book is it reading to create an assignment is it reading like what are because like even within the books themselves like each of those books is going to function in a different way and just and so like acknowledging that is going to help you organize your your time and your thoughts and how you're going to go about using that text and and that's something that you taught me so Everything he just said, I can attest to that it works.
1: Well, I mean, it's different for each person, you know, like, again, like a a thing that I, you know, it seems so obvious in retrospect, but like, as I was getting through all these books, sometimes I get to some books and I realize, oh, this isn't going to be helpful. And the first time, like a first couple of times I tried to finish the books. And then Mm -hmm. at a certain point, as I got further in the process, I'm like, no, this is pointless. This book is not going to help me. I need to own that read enough of it to recognize why this isn't going to be useful put it aside and if it comes up i can explain this is my feeling about the book i got this far in it and i did not think that this was useful and here's i wouldn't necessarily say i didn't finish it but i would sort of rec- i would i would i'd read enough of it to recognize that it wasn't helpful and then i'd be able to articulate why i felt it didn't tie to a particular question and so just realizing that okay sometimes you may have an i may have a game plan for what you're doing and what you're reading and then you have to change the game plan as you get into it and realize oh no it's not worth your time to focus on something that isn't going to be useful just so you can say you read it and check it off a list
0: and i think that's where the emotional labor and toll comes from these exams like you and like in in we kind of talk about if we want to get into it like a little bit of like what it looked like to prepare these these lists so like each of my lists were like 40 to 50 articles and books, majority books, a couple of articles for each. And so um, you sit here and you go in and I remember I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was like, OK, I think I'm going to read stuff within the field of composition. So my my folk um, for my field, um, that was a 48 hour timed exam. And so I was going to answer a couple of questions. Oh no, I'm lying to you. My for my field exam, it was a pedagogy portfolio where I created two portfolios um which I'll kind of get into in a little bit. My field or my focus, sorry, I'm keep getting them confused. My focus was um was a timed exam. And so they functioned differently. They were going to do different things, but the the process of creating the exam lists themselves was very I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like I kind of want to read this, I kind of want to read that. So to your point about Um, realizing that one of the books that you had on your exam is one that you actually is just wasting your time and you might not actually use like that's okay. And I think sometimes even little things like that, it kind of ends up being this battle of like, I I put it on here. Like, I feel like I have to use it. And the next thing you know, you're like, your, your brain is hurting over this decision, which it really is something you shouldn't be spending your time on. I mean, happens. I mean, that's why we have this emotional sort of reaction to all of that, but that is part of the process too.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you just casually mentioned putting your list together as if this was like, you know, yeah, you put your list together. No, like if you haven't done it before, the process of putting your list together is is itself not only emotionally draining, but it's also like I found very intimidating because as you're putting it together, you're thinking forward to taking the exam and having to defend it. And so it's this whole process of the the list itself becomes a kind of source of concern. And then you have to, at least in my case, the process was very non-linear, meaning I couldn't just put the list together, send it to my three committee members, check, 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 and be done. It was, you put the list together, you meet with one of your committee members, they give you some notes back, you change the list, your field starts to change, your idea of what it is you're doing starts to change. You then go to another committee member, go through the same process. You then have to go through this process of emailing the list and getting approval, which you have to do again in a non-linear way, because one person will send it back to you and maybe have some further suggestions. You then have to go back to the other two members and do the same thing. And there's, you know, long interims where you think, oh, I'm going to get this all finished this weekend. And then you don't hear back from someone for a week or two. And then you sort of have to gently prod them and then you have to get the signatures for each. Yeah. And so all of this, while it, it just sounds sort of procedural, can be stressful because as, as you know, and as some of your listeners may know, emailing your instructors or your advisors and asking them for things, even if it's things that they sort of know you have to ask them for, it's stressful and not hearing back from them, and having to just send a reminder email to someone who you admire and you don't want to be a pest to, is itself stressful. And all, all of this, I know for some people, they may be listening to us and be like, "You guys, you're such snowflakes." But it's you know, I mean, it's it's wanting to to do the right thing and to be um, demonstrate the proper courtesy, to de- demonstrate the proper professionalism. But also like, I got to get this stuff done. I got to get these lists finished and it's just, you know, it's, it's trying to, I I compared to, it's trying to juggle, you know what I mean? You're trying to keep three balls in the air at the same time because you can't just proceed check, 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 and do it in a linear way.
0: For those of you who think we're snowflakes, you need to go to grad school because I don't think you understand the stakes that we feel exist in this, in this system, (laughs) that are causing us to be stressed about those types of things. I mean, the emotional toll of comprehensive exams begins when you're creating your lists period,
1: Absolutely, yeah. like a year well, before when you're putting your committee together as well. Cause then you got to go ask people, you know, I feel like I should have a rose and be like, dear Dr. So-and-so will you be on my committee? Will you be my committee chair? You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, you know, again, I know for, for some people, it probably sounds like we're making too much out of it. And I think for some people we are, because a lot of it is about the expectations that you place on yourself and how you approach these things, and I don't think there's any shame in saying if you're somebody who just goes through this stuff and you just, you know, you're just like, no, this is just a thing I have to do. I'm not going to get super emotionally involved. I think that's great. Like, that's I don't have about that. It's, it's just each. I think for you and I, for whatever reasons, we care a lot about it in the way. Not to say that other people don't, but we associate what we're doing with, I think. sense of self which isn't always and so because we associate it so closely with our sense of self how we perform and the responses we get even if it's like a terse email from one of our committee members saying i'll get to it when i get to it back off would be like i i would probably hide in my house for two days
0: oh yeah same same no i i agree i mean and i think it's funny and i I might kind of bring this up closer to the end we'll see but um I think what's funny about like thinking about people who are like maybe don't take this as hard as maybe we do and whatnot, I think that's me after the exams. But I think going through the exams, I had to uh I had to build to, up to that point. And what I mean by that is, and I don't know if this is jumping around too much, but At TCU, specifically in the English department, we take both of our exams in the same semester. So whereas Mark had one year, we had a semester to complete both exams. And so that's what I did. And so the first exam that I took was the um, field exam where I did a 48-hour timed exam in this very office slash room that I'm recording in. And I had to answer, I had a series of like maybe like maybe eight questions four for each and I got to choose two for each or something something like that I can't remember exactly um but one of the questions was talking about um sort of the history of writing centers and where do you think like the future of writing centers is is going so you know I'm emotionally invested in this because obviously I want to do well and that was part of the that was part of the expectation I want to do well I want to feel um like I'm giving them kind of like what you said, something that's worthwhile, something that shows that I'm actually actually know what I'm talking about, but you know I submit i I do it, I submit it, and we can talk about that if we wanted to um, and I complete this exam, and then I think maybe a week or so later, or I don't remember how how long it was, but it wasn't too long after I had finished the exam i I decided to go back into the exam and read it and see what I had written to see like okay, what was what was the mess that I came up with, and I read through the entire thing. And I realized, and I don't know if this is the point of comprehensive exams for me or what I ended up getting out of it, but I realized that I do know what I'm talking about. And that for me felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders because after that exam, because I I did my second exam after that. So I, I, uh, I, I kind of got that little bit of like the hint of, I knew what I was talking about before, um, my defense and all those types of things. Um, that gave me a lot of confidence and all these expectations and all these things, like I had felt like I had met my goal already. And that changed the way that I started viewing myself as a grad student and as a scholar. And so it's really interesting to kind of think about how, like, for those of you who might be like, oh, you're you're thinking too much into it and those types of things. We, we probably are, but we're also probably not. And I think there's something to say about how like, comprehensive exams, like even if we are thinking too much... Uh, too much into it or, or whatnot whatever we want to call it I think that it's nice to know that like that's part of the process to get you to a point where now you're like oh, I actually do know what I'm talking about I actually can go in and teach a grad class on affect theory or whatever it is that I'm you know taking my exam on or doing like it feels good and so I think that's still part of the process Um, and even that's like an emotional thing maybe not an emotional toll but it is nice to know that at the end of it all like you went through all of this and and you had these expectations and that probably weighed you down and made things so emotional. But then there's also the satisfaction of like at the end. And I hope that everybody who does comprehensive exams gets to that point. But I read that exam and I was like, man, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And it felt like a weight was lifted. And so I, I, I wouldn't I would change a couple things about the process but I also think that even though it was emotional I'm really happy that it ended up in that way and that I do feel good about who I am in academia and what I know and and what my future is going to hold.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and likewise I, while there's things that I would change about the process, I believe in it 100% for exactly the reasons that you explained. I think um, both in terms of the challenge of it and the sort of breaking down of you or your preconceptions about how you do things and and who you are and what you do as an academic, that's part of the process because it's the sort of breaking down and rebuilding. It's just like, you know, like working out, like running or exercising, you sort of break down the muscles and you rebuild and it really does change you and not in some kind of fundamental way, but it changes you in terms of your own thinking about how you sort of fit into academia, right? And the other thing that you mentioned that I think is probably doesn't get enough sort of um focus when people are are preparing you for exams or telling you about exams is just the actual um enthusiasm you have for your subject which is a sort of double-edged sword because in our case say metafiction for me in your case you know like writing center pedagogy if you genuinely care about it that adds something both good and bad I remember sitting in my backyard in Stillwater and reading these really dense theoretical texts and I'd come across something that I just absolutely loved. And I thought, this is so cool and I would get so excited and I would I was anxious to write about it, but that kind of enthusiasm can sort of whiplash on you and that you then become so invested in what you're doing, it matters more. If I was taking an exam on you know the Harry Potter films, which I have never seen a one nor read a book, I probably could do fine and would not care a whit and it would be the most enjoyable qualifying exam I ever took because it wouldn't stress me out at all. Cause I do not care. Yeah. But because I genuinely cared about what I was doing on one hand, I invested that much more deeply in it, but also investment is an emotional stake, you know?
0: I love all of that. Cause it's so true. And it is a double edged sword. It's kind of like, it's like, you're just pulling like one end. It's like, oh, this is great. And I'm passionate about it. Okay. But now that means that I want to like do well, you know, I want to do really well. And, and you I want to
1: will, will do more work than you need to do. Seriously. Because, like, this is so exciting. I want to read more about this. I don't need to read this or I don't need to look at this other text, but I'm going to know because I'm really interested. And so it ends up, and, and of course that's a good thing, right? But it, if the, if the point of the exercise is merely to pass the exam, then it's not because you're going above and beyond what you need to do. And that then adds a little bit extra work and extra work then adds extra stress because you may not be doing something else, which is just something you need to do to, to, you know, meet the minimum requirement because you're, you're really genuinely interested in what you're reading, you know?
0: And this is why this is so emotional, like so emotionally exhausting. Cause like, I remember reading, like for my field exam not field i keep getting confused my focus exam which was on writing centers and writing program administration and um i just loved what i was reading i was like man this is awesome like i'm like genuinely so and i've i've read so much stuff on writing programs and all those types of things so it was like so great but now i'm like okay now it's so like my for my field exam i had to do uh two i had to create two courses with creating assignments and reading lists and course calendars and all that so two classes one of them was a first-year composition classroom and then I was uh, allowed the option to create a graduate course on the introduction to writing program administration and so I'm like okay not only do I get to read all these things I get to create a class on what I think would should be taught and and I was arguing my essentially my argument was that everybody should Everybody in a grad program should take a WPA course. I'm not going to get into the argument. That's just what I believe still to this day. And so it was like, okay, now that I've also made a name for myself and want to say that I'm I'm the WPA person, I'm the person who wants to be a WPA, this is what my exams are going to be about. Okay, now I really got to put that into action when it comes to my exams and prove that I know what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, it was so exciting to read all these things. But the next thing you know, I'm like, I'm creating this class that I'm know some people don't want to be in, but I'm arguing that you should be in it. And so it just became this like really exhausting thing. And it was fun, but it was so exhausting. I mean, I had to go to therapy because of my exams. So
1: absolutely. And it's funny because you know that the way you phrase that, you became the WPA person. Likewise, I became the metafiction guy, you know, or the UFO guy when I was doing my fiction thing, or the, you know, short story cycle guy. You know, it's like you become the person. You know that you're sort of aspiring to be by diving into this topic but are you really that person that's always then the negotiation right because you there's a little bit of the imposter syndrome this is the person that i am but also there's so much i don't know and you know i remember dr hollemeyer my my committee chair for my lit exam told me before the exam she's like we're going to ask you questions and assume that you're the expert in the field. And I do not feel like an expert in metafiction, nor will I ever. But I felt like, okay, I have a foundation for expertise. But I'm always gonna be sort of positing myself against that idea of what would an expert in metafiction know that I don't know? What, what would Dr. Murphy know? Who is the expert in all things? You know, And so I'm always sort of measuring myself against that standard.
0: And that's exhausting.
1: It is, it is. It's emotionally exhausting.
0: Emotionally (laughs) emotionally exhausting.
1: exhausting. But that's the thing we haven't, the other part of it we haven't talked about specifically um, to our exams. For instance, in the case of Oklahoma State, we have 60 hours to write the exam. We get it on Friday at 5 p.m. and you have to turn it in, I think, 7 a.m. on Monday. And, you know, if you sort of work out the numbers, it's about 60 hours more or less. And you have like sleep and you've got to, you know, take breaks and things. But that's not a lot of time to write what in most cases is about 40 pages, 30, 40 pages. Yeah. And so in the case of the lit exam, like I said, there were three questions and, you know, about 10 pages each. And then for the fiction exam, two questions, but they were supposed to be about 20 pages each. And so that's a compressed amount of time to do a lot of writing. And I found that, again, I'm almost 50, physically exhausting. I remember, like, looked like I had sort of been in the home stretch on Sunday night, and I went to the bathroom, and I saw myself in the mirror at, like, 1 a.m., and I literally thought I looked like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. I was just pale and gaunt, and my eyes were red, and my hair is all stringy, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is physically damaging to do this in 60, to write this much in 60 years. Again, I know some people will probably roll their eyes, but It's hard to like write that much in 60 and 60 hours and also want it to be good, you know? And again, this, the sort of emotional, psychological stress you put on yourself and also the physical stress of just trying to do something in a compressed amount of time.
0: So let me make sure I understand. So you had three questions to answer in 60 hours.
1: About, yeah. I think that's about right. And about
0: 10 pages each. Yep. Oh my gosh. My, my focus exam was eight to ten pages. Um, I'm thinking now. Now that I'm thinking back, clearly I was too emotionally, um, traumatized by <laughs> my exams that I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I answered two questions in 48 hours. Um, each of them was ten, eight to ten pages, and so less hours were that we're playing with, you know. Um, and you had one more question and more hours, so I think it kind of balances out. But, um. Yeah. Let's paint a picture. What did, what did your exam day look like? I know you already told us that you looked like, who was it? Gollum? What's their yeah, name? Gollum. Um, how did you, how, how did you sort of prepare for it? And then I can give my experiences like for the day of you taking your sure. exam.
1: Well, a quick story. I know we're, we're running out of time. No,
0: but we're I'm, not. I'm, go for it. This is,
1: this is one of the things. So one of the things I would change if I could. Yeah. Was go for it. Just give more time. And we've talked about this with, with many people, because first of all, writing that much in a compressed period of time is, is unnatural. Most of us are taught the importance of revision and giving yourself time. This is what we teach our students. So the idea of doing a timed exam does not feel like it is, is sort of in the sort of same philosophical approach that we you know basically um, share with our students, right? Yeah. So part of it is, is I would make it longer, but also there's like all these things that can happen. So for me, um, as I said, we get the questions 5. PM on Friday, no joke. I wake up Friday morning. I'm like nervous, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this, you know, this, this moment where I get the questions and I hear a loud explosion down the street. All my power goes out.
0: I remember this story.
1: Yeah. Literally everything goes dead. And I'm like, oh my God. I am going to get these questions in like, you know, six hours, seven hours. And I have no power in my house. And I'm like trying to come up with alternative plans. Can I go to the office and write all of this in the office? You know, what am I going to do? And so, you know, that was not the best start. Um, wow. But then, Shout out to Stillwater uh, Utilities. They got the power up and running. Um, and the explosion was not anything scary. It was just a transformer blew. Um, but so fortunately, everything was okay. But again, more stress, right? Yeah. What could possibly go wrong, right? And then likewise, you know, your internet going down and things like that. Um, so that was how it started. Uh, my friend Raquelie, um told me, gave me some good advice because she had taken one of her exams. Um, I bought a lot of orange juice and chocolate. Mm. Because um, she told me a a relative of hers who had taken a a qualifying exam told her, you don't want to get too loaded up on caffeine because you'll crash. Mm. So orange juice, chocolate, sugar, things like that give you energy over a longer period of time. So I had that. um, But the main thing was just sitting around waiting to get the questions. And I remember like, you know, just like, but like I was on death row or something, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like waiting for the governor to call, you know, with a pardon. I was just like, when I'm, when is this going to happen? Um, and, the, and so then when it finally, when I did finally get the questions, um, and again, this is just an approach thing. Again, these are sort of the things you sort of discover. I I came up with the the sort of approach that I was going to basically go through all three questions. I booked a room at the library. I just wanted a change of environment and also I had lost power earlier mm-hmm. and so I took my questions to the library and I spent that sort of first night going through all three questions and writing the intro for all three questions so rather than trying to sort of start one and then move to the next I'm like I want to basically create a foundation for each of the three questions and then I can just extend out over the next two days so that was the main thing I started with trying to go through each question figure out the intro and come up with sort of a bare bones outline for how I planned to answer each. And then the other thing that goes with this, and I don't know if this was similar for you, was to then try to match the books on my reading list with each question. So oh, it was yeah. of, So it was like, here's question one. I'm going to talk about these three primary texts these three or four secondary texts, that's question one. Okay, now I can't use those for the other questions. So what am I gonna use for question two and three and mixing and matching? Oh, actually this would be better for this question. And then also once I got into that process, there was actually one question that I was going to answer. And then once I sort of started to match the books up, I realized, oh no, that's not gonna work. So I sort of crossed that one out and went to a different question number two because I realized the texts were overlapping too much with questions one and three. So sort of strategic things like that. And then I just use Saturday and Sunday to just write. Um, And I will say that I I learned that um, a Guinness or a Stella helps me (laughs) relax a little uh, because I think the nerves, sometimes I'd I'd start to write and I'd I'd get a little bit anxious. And so just, you know, um, having a little something was helpful.
0: I was going to say, can you, I I wanted you to bring up the alcohol, (laughs)
1: I wasn't drunk, but I mean, like just I had like a beer, you know, and that just sort of chilled me out a little bit.
0: No, I, I wanted to make sure that you brought that up because I love I love that. Um, Let me let me see if I can remember what I ended up doing. That's what I get for asking the question. Now I have to be able to to
1: answer it um, well, say, like like I find this process of talking about it and reflecting on what you did and the choices you made and you're, you're sort of strategizing. I find it to be very productive not only hopefully for people who might glean something from it, but for myself, I hear different strategies, different approaches, but also to think back on that approach. And again, how that became my methodology, which I've used since then and will continue to use in the future, both with preparing for classes that I might teach and for writing projects.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, my brain chemistry is altered ever since 2022. So I'm going to try to remember. Okay. So I did my field exam first, which is a 48 hour and fun fact at TCU, they give you the questions early. And so you don't, you get to, you get a couple of days to prepare before you actually have to um do it. So I had met with my professor, Dr. Leverence, um, and she kind of gave me a general like idea of what she was going to ask. Cause we kind of came up with the questions together and I didn't know exactly what the questions were, but I knew what like the ballpark of them so I kind of had a little bit of like that comfort of knowing that um but I remember it was I get to we get to schedule when we get our questions and so you know whatever works for us and so I decided to do it over a weekend and so I um I believe I received my questions maybe on a Saturday morning I think around 10 a.m and so I started um working right when I got them and so um just type type away and I was at this desk I had my water and maybe some snacks I didn't really kind of prepare really anything and my husband works doesn't work on uh Saturdays but the Saturday that I was doing my comprehensive exam there was an event at the Dallas Mavericks at the arena that I couldn't go to because I was doing my exams um which also kind of worked out because he didn't work that day and so that ended up so he got to go do that with his friend and hang out while I did my exams by myself which I really appreciated I kind of liked having my own. I didn't want to have to worry about like, are you eating like, are you, you know, do I need you need anything? No, it was fine. So I got to just kind of hang out at home and just work on it and honestly the process of it kind of like what you said earlier. um, starting to decide what questions you were going to be able to answer and sort of organizing the books because they don't let you double dip, right? Your your books and your articles and so similar process to you that's what I did as well. Um and then I just kind of wrote it and it was fine up until dinner time. My husband was like, "Hey, let's go to Olive Garden." And I'm sitting here thinking like, "Dang it, like <laughs> like that means we have to go there?" And wait at a table. And I was, because like we had originally planned to go eat at Olive Garden, but I didn't think it's gonna be like a whole afternoon thing. I'm like, I need to work on my exam. Well, of course, we decided to go to the Olive Garden that's not close by to us. And so we did that. And I was an anxious mess the entire time because oh, I'm thinking God. about my exams.
1: I don't know how you, Sean, no, <laughs> I didn't work on her. She, he should have gotten takeout and brought it to you. Well,
0: well, we went to Olive Garden and later, after, while we're at Olive Garden, he's like, do you want to go to Krispy Kreme? And I'm like, I want to go home. Like, I want to go home and work on my exams. And like, yes, I could have put my foot down and said, no, like, we're going to get McDonald's. Like, it's you're going to come back home and it's going to be fine. Um I could have done that I don't regret not doing that but I also wish I kind of would have I don't know I, th- I think part of me like th- thinking back I'm kind of okay with it because it, it really wasn't that big of a deal right. but at the same time like I also probably should have been like no um and then we went to go get Krispy Kreme and I had to talk about that whole situation with my therapist because it got it caused me so much anxiety anyway we get back and I work probably the rest of the night all the way up until maybe like one or two in the morning. Um, And I don't remember if I had, I think I completed my first question then. And then the next day on Sunday, I went to church and then came back and then I worked on my next question. Um, And so the exam was due Monday morning. And so yeah, Sunday, I just kind of kept working and I stayed up pretty late on Sunday and I emailed my students then that Sunday evening that I was going to cancel class on Monday. Um, And then I just finished and Sean was actually really supportive. Like he stayed up with me and like, I told him I would wake up at like three or four in the morning the next day so that I could like just revise it just in case, make sure that it looks good before I submit it. And then I submitted it like three hours before it was due. So, I mean, and then I just rested the rest of the day and just kind of like, you know, chilled and, and, um, I might have actually gone to work. I'm thinking because I usually worked in athletics on Monday. I don't know. Oh, no, I took the semester off from athletics that fall. So I didn't have to work in athletics. Um, so aside from the Olive Garden and Krispy Kreme, it actually wasn't that bad. I really enjoyed writing it and I felt really good about it. And it's funny because, and I don't know, at TCU, you have four options of what exams you can take. You can take an eight hour, a 48 hour, an essay exam into a a pedagogy portfolio and so a lot of people that i've noticed here at tcu um are scared to take the 48 hour exam because they're like how could i possibly write eight to ten pages twice in 48 hours and so that scares people a lot and i it's funny because i'm really actually big like like i feel like i really loved that option um, and it really kind of boils down to like how you want to go about it. If you do the 48 hour exam, they they tell you to use that towards your dissertation. I don't. I'm not going to. I, I more or less just wanted to kind of know that I knew the field or like my specific focus, I should say. Um, but I really like proved to myself that I could do it. Like that's the thing. Like I had never actually sat down and written so many pages at one time. And I just proved to myself that I could do it. And it actually wasn't that painful. And I clearly felt good about it afterwards that I feel like I actually know what I'm talking about. So all in all, not too bad, aside from the anxiety that came from being at Olive Garden for like two, three hours and then the Krispy Kreme afterwards. So
1: yeah. And I mean, I again, it's like in retrospect, sure. I mean, you're going to have to eat two or three hours isn't the end of the world, but I, I call it like the sort of Damocles phenomenon where you have this thing hanging over your head and as long as it's hanging over your head you always feel like if I'm at Olive Garden I'm not working on my thing or conversely like for the months that you're preparing if you're not reading a book on your list and you're reading something for fun who does that right you feel as though you're sort of you're not doing what you should be doing because you have this thing hanging over your head the whole time. And so likewise, just not like doing anything that seems like, well, should I be here? Should I be waiting while, you know, we're we're trying to get our drink orders in when I should be at home right now writing? You know, it's just, again, it just adds a kind of anxiety that probably isn't necessary or helpful but also it's hard to avoid. Exactly.
0: It's there and you just kind of have to deal with it. And some of us just deal with it in not so good ways, which is exactly what I experienced. So but it also
1: points out like another thing that I think is a maybe a flaw in the process. And that is it's not equitable. Meaning people like me who live in a house by myself um and don't have roommates and, and don't have a husband or wife, you know I can have a lot more freedom to just work on the exam than somebody with roommates or somebody who has a second job or somebody who has all these other factors, children, for instance, you know, and and so that's not really fair. Um, Again, I don't know how you avoid it, but it's just another factor that, you know, people have to be cognizant of when they're preparing is that if you have roommates, you have to figure out a way that you can negotiate your space with your roommates during that weekend or during that period so that you're not being interrupted.
0: And that's something that I really like about the 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 TCU English uh program when they give you the four different options. Like, you know, if if I have Sean and you know, and I don't have kids or anything that I really, you know, I don't take care of anybody or anything like that. I'm not like a caretaker. So um I think the 48 hour and the eight hour exam, like if I had chosen the eight hour um you know, they fit with my, my lifestyle and everything like that. But then there's the essay and pedagogy portfolio, whereas like for my pedagogy portfolio, I worked on that the whole summer and the whole semester. And so like that, I think serves a little bit more for those people who uh, are caretakers or, you know, have um, children or second jobs because you can kind of work on it in little pieces. But exams like the 48 hour, yeah, that's not very equitable, at least not, you know, it's not going to work for everybody.
1: Right, so having those options, I think, is great, and and hopefully that's something that will will at Oklahoma State start to do as well, because I, th- I think you know you, you have to try to factor that in.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that that's one of something that I wanted to mention earlier is I feel like comprehensive exams, and I, I hate saying this, but I think it's one of those like, um, like that kind of it's kind of it feels like one of those things that kind of weeds out the people who are gonna make it or not and I hate to say that because like I think if you've made it to this point you're gonna make it through the PhD but it kind of feels like one of those things that's like um you know you have to go through this thing you have to write a passage type of deal for for and it becomes very gatekeepy and I think a lot of programs um view comprehensive exams in that way whereas I feel like at TCU obviously it's the only experiences that I can speak to and it's not perfect in any way I think it it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like that. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And and to my two people uh, on my committee, they didn't make it feel that way. They didn't make it feel like you have to know the field from front to back. You need to do this, this and this. And like it didn't it, it wasn't like that. And so I think that that's really great. But I think in other instances, like going back to what we were talking about with exam lists, we got to create our exam lists some programs they give you a list and you have to read in our in my in my case with rhetoric aristotle and plato and all those um rhetoricians whereas you and i like we said we got to choose what we got to put on there and i think that that in itself is working towards a less of a this is going to be a rite of passage moment this is more yeah i want you to know the field and i want you to know your focus and whatnot but I also am giving you a little bit more of that freedom and, and what works for you, what what is going to be the thing that you enjoy. And so I think we're kind of moving, at least in our experiences, moving away from that, like, you know, comprehensive exams being this big hill that you have to climb over, whereas it's, it's really not supposed to be that
1: way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely an element of gatekeeping. I mean, um, as you know, when I first started at Oklahoma State, we had a first year exam, which they've subsequently discontinued. But that felt very much as though it was a gatekeeper mechanism to say, well, if you, you know, if you're going to do this thing for the next four or five years, you're going to have to pass this exam. And that, again, was a timed exam, five hours, um, three questions, not really what we practice as teachers or students most of the time. So it feels very much outside what our sort of philosophical mindset is. The rest of the time but i will say that it did prepare me for the qualifying exam and i did find it a, a useful exercise but also i do know there was at least one person that ended up or at least actually two people who ended up leaving the phd program after the first year exam
0: i think i know exactly who you're talking about too and it's really it's really hard to know that because and granted, there are various factors that kind of play into that. So I'm not going to say that they were victims to that. But and I remember y'all preparing for that exam and just thinking like, man, that's terrifying. And I just I, I, I'm i for your first year too. like, I think that that's the thing. Like, I think it's nice that comprehensive exams kind of come in the middle of your PhD, you know, it's in it. I know y'all's are a little bit more later on. I think yours are like year four five type of deal, depending on, you know, whereas mine comes in after my second year. And so like in our case, in my case, I think it comes a little bit over you know, in the middle of the program. And so just thinking about that first year exam, like, man, that that just it really did sound like a gatekeepy type of thing. And some people unfortunately like it caused them to leave and I really hate that for them. But um but yeah, I mean, I think comprehensive exams can very well be one of those things. And, and in my case, it, it wasn't a gatekeepy thing. Um, but I know that that's not necessarily the case everywhere else.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say, um, you know, I, I don't know that, again, it, it's, I liked the idea of a first year exam, because I thought, again, it taught me things that were really, really useful. But it's just sort of the mechanism for how it's implemented. And the idea, again, that you're really asking us to write three essays in five hours, um, it just doesn't seem like a thing that we do normally. And it, it is not a sort of methodology that we practice. Whereas the preparation for the qualifying exams or the preparation for the first year exam, that is a thing we do. That is a methodology that we practice and we can, can we can hone over the period of time that we're in the PhD program and should hone and get better at because it's what we're going to be using as scholars and teachers and writers.
0: Can we shift into the defense of the comprehensive exams? Because I think a lot of what you just said, and I know you've repeated it a couple of times, I think is really important to think about even on the the day of the defense and like the preparation for the defense. Um, What was your preparation for your defense like? What did your, how was your experiences with with all of
1: that? Oh gosh, I will say, I, so I remember, what I remember most vividly about my defense, I'm thinking of the literature defense, which was the first one I've ever done in my life. Um, I remember sitting there, I got there about 20 minutes early, and I was sitting in the room by myself. And I had all these notes in front of me. And I remember feeling like I wanted to throw up. Like, I was so nervous. My stomach was just doing flip-flops. And, you know, I was just, and I, I also remember vividly um, after that night when I went to sleep after the defense, I had a dream in which... I actually was studying my notes in my dream and I could read the notes I in my dream. I could actually, which is like there, I've always heard this thing that like you can't read in dreams. That is the way you, that's not true. I absolutely <laughs> could read the note. I could read every word on the page. I absolutely could read. I could see, I, I remember specifically what the notes were about. I could read them in my dream. I was, it was a, uh, it was, it was a little bit much, but again, I know I'm making too much out of it. Uh, the, the, Preparation for the, um, for the defense was was not nearly as intense as, um, as, as the preparation for writing the exam. It was mostly just me rereading through my answers, trying to identify the spots where I should have said more or I could correct things um, that I felt were, were not quite right. Um, I went back and I looked at some texts and things, and it was mostly just trying to look at what I had written and being able to anticipate things that I should address. Based on those answers, I did have I brought a ton of notes with me, none of which I looked at. Maybe this is why I dreamed about looking at them. Because once the defense actually started, you're just sort of in the moment and trying to go through your notes and find something was not plausible. It was not something that I could do. It was just my brain was was operating too fast. And let me give a shout out to Dr. Grubgelt, who I love, because I remember sitting there in the room by myself. I wanted to throw up. Dr. Murphy came in. We had some awkward conversation. And then Dr. Grubgeld came in, she sat down, she looked at me and she's like, why didn't you write more about film? And it just like made me feel so much better because it's like Dr. Murphy and I were doing this sort of awkward, how's your day going, et cetera, et cetera, trying to avoid the top, the pink elephant in the room. I was in Dr. Grubgeld, she sat down and immediately looked at me and was like, why didn't you write more about film? You know all this about film, you didn't write anything about film. And I just laughed and it immediately diffused the situation and I just relaxed. So I will always be grateful to Dr. Grubgeld for just like being like, yeah, 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 relax. We're just going to talk. We're just going to have a conversation.
0: That's amazing. I, I don't remember if you've told me that. You might have. But that comment is just amazing.
1: Well, it, it just diffused the tension. You know, because yeah. it was like I was so aware of the fact that Dr. Murphy and I were trying to have, because we, we we always have great conversations, but they're usually about books and stuff, and what I'm reading, and what I'm working on, or what he's reading, and we were avoiding that because I guess we were waiting for the exam to start. Oh, yeah. And so when Dr. Grubgeld came in, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Let's just let's just talk," and that really set the tone because that's ultimately, and that was my defense was a wonderful experience because it really was just a conversation between myself and my committee members, and it was a great conversation. And um, I never felt as though they were they were testing me. I felt they, they genuinely wanted to know what I thought about the questions and about their questions. And we didn't actually talk about my written answers too much. It was more expanding on sort of what those answers suggested about the field you know or what we might say more broadly um for instance in one case i you know i specifically wrote about the use of the we narrator in a in a particular story in a particular novel um and dr hallameyer pointed out that i was identifying the use of the we in that text through a western perspective of yeah. how we use the we and mm-hmm. it was it was a novel that was it was a african novel and so they the, the author and the readers in that culture specifically might view the use of the we differently. And so it was just sort of like that kind of a thing where it wasn't like, you know, what did so-and-so say about this? It was more like, well, you, you point this out about the we narrator, but are you looking at it from a Western perspective? And of course I was. And so then trying to unpack what that means for my answer.
0: That is so cool. That is a cool, like it sounded like that would be such a cool conversation. And That doesn't feel like you were being grilled. And I think this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like comprehensive exams feeling like this like make or break type of deal. The fact that your committee members made this defense experience a conversation and not a space to test you and see how much Mm -hmm. you know and trying to oh gotcha moment like that goes such a long way.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And if I had known that going in, and again, that may not be universally true, I would have been a lot more relaxed. Um, But once that sort of tone was set, and again, I thank Dr. Grubgeld for that, then all of a sudden it became a conversation, and I relaxed, and they relaxed, and we ended up going way over time. Like, I don't remember what the, it was like an hour, we ended up talking for like two hours, because nobody had anywhere to go after that. And again, it never felt um it never felt like they were looking for gotcha moments. It felt like we were just talking about the subject in the field
0: that is so beautiful and such a I blessing
1: it it, I mean it was honestly it was it was a very emotional moment for me kind of as as you were saying when you when you read your your answers back and were sort of like, oh, I really feel like I've grown into this person. That was the moment for me where I was having a conversation with three literature scholars who I respect as much as anybody I've ever, you know, gotten to take a class with and we were having a conversation and I felt like they were sort of welcome, welcoming me in as a peer and I really I got very emotional at the, again this is what our topic is about in a good way I got very emotional at the end of it I teared up a little because I really felt as though they they very were they were very aware of what they were doing yeah. they yeah. you know that they they really did want to make me feel like a peer and I'll always be grateful for that and hopefully it's something I can pass on in the future
0: I'm, like, literally tearing up hearing you say that because it's, like, in, in, like I said earlier, like, I remember when I, I'm clearly still tearing up, but, like, I remember reading those those things and, like, going specifically to the defense, like, I don't remember if I had two separate defenses because the timing of my exams landed in a moment where one of my professors had something going on with their personal life, so we had to delay the defense, and so I can't remember if I defended both exams at the same time, I don't remember, but I remember like even going through and like the biggest thing for me, like going into my defense was I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. I mean, I kind of said that earlier. I think that's like a pretty good common goal that people have. And so I think for me, the biggest thing about the defense and like how I ended up feeling afterwards was like, uh, let me let me give an example and then I'll sort of just or kind of explain what I'm trying to say. So one of my chairs, because I only had two, um, one is in charge for each. And so um, she was really sort of testing me, but not in the way that's like I'm trying to get you. She just wanted to see if I knew what I was talking about, you know, that kind of deal. And it was totally OK. And, and the tone of it and the, and the feeling of it was great. And so um, so she would ask me things like if you were to create a uh intro to rhetoric class based off of your list how would you go about it and i'm like that's not one of the questions that wasn't like something i expected her to ask me but i was able to respond i was able to answer her question and i was kind of like taken aback and so like a big a big part of what i was worried about going into the defense was first of all i'm not afraid to say i don't know which you can totally do in exams i'm not afraid to do it cuz i mean i'm not going to sit here and bs and like just you know say things to say things just because I want to try to sound smart or whatever um but it just felt comfortable to know like I can answer this question like I can I, I can't I did not expect you to answer to ask me this but I was still able to answer it and and just sort of just sort of showing that and even though like the testing of you know the the student or me in this case like could come off in a certain way like I really appreciated that she took that route in the defense because it helped me it helped bring everything I knew out and actually speak on it and say it um, because I feel like that really gave me that confidence and so like after my defense I I think it was like maybe like an hour or so long um you know I defended my um again I can't remember what what it was like but I know for sure that I talked about my um pedagogy portfolio which was like I don't even know how long that thing was, maybe 50, 60 pages, 70 pages, two classes with assignment sheets and and course calendars and all that kind of stuff. And so there was so much content. But like at the end of it all, I'm like, I have two classes that I could teach. I know about writing centers. I know about writing programs like it was a really good moment to just reflect and be like I actually do know what I'm talking about and so that really made me emotional and it really has helped boost my confidence and so now I feel like I've never I haven't come down from that like I don't have anything else aside maybe from defending my dissertation (laughs) that like I need to put myself in a position of feeling like I do belong. Like, I feel like that was that defining moment and that's it. Like, I'm not going to have to f- uh, fight myself on that anymore. I don't have to keep looking for that affirmation. Like I've done that. And I think the defense and her questions and everything we talked about really helped me get to that point. And I'm so grateful for that because I don't think I can continue just sitting here second guessing myself and whether or not I, um, know what I'm talking about. Like I'm, I'm at that moment and I feel good. And now I just feel like I'm riding that wave all the way up until, you know, I get my job in the future after I graduate. So it's, it's a very emotional thing. Happy tears for sure to be done and to have those moments. Kind of like you said, like, feel like you're a part of the conversation. You're there, they welcomed you and, and you just like get to talk about the things that you love. And so it's, it's, it's a really emotionally exhausting but also filled with positive emotions, um, which is a nice way to end the exams.
1: Absolutely. I will say, though, after that positive moment, the next two weeks for me were were a huge crash. Um, and I've, I've thought about why that was. And, and you know this, but I, I will say that I was depressed for like two weeks after that. I didn't know I was depressed. And I just realized in general, it was just a kind of physiological come down you know, partly because of the stress. And again, when you have that sort of Damocles hanging over you all the time, it's it's again, double-edged sword, no pun intended. It, it's, it's basically on one hand, it's stressful because you always feel like you have to be doing this thing, but it also fills up a certain part of your brain. You, you're focused on this thing and that, and much like a PhD program in general, when your brain is occupied with this task and it's a routine thing, and then that task is taken away, you free up a lot of space in your brain and so what you do with that space can be tricky in in my case it, it wasn't healthy it was it was mostly feeling a little bit like well now what what do i do you know now how do i sort of function in terms of with my free time and of course there was like oh i can read for pleasure i can hang out in my hammock i can you know go out for a beer and not feel like i should be doing something else but it was also a sense of like that emotionally i had to come down you know emotionally i had a kind of like well okay I did that now I guess I got to start preparing for the next exam or or whatever and it's sort of like okay it's you start all this the process all over again and so for me it was about a two-week period where I was just kind of bummed you know even though I felt like it couldn't have gone any better it was almost as if something was missing um but you know again I think to your point a, a big part of it is just the sense of like your you' I always say like a PhD program, if you're doing it correctly, it's not just that you're learning things, it's training you, you know, it's training you to work in a kind of space. And so part of that is going to be you dedicate yourself to a project for a year or something, and then it's, it wraps up and however it wraps up, there's going to be a sort of come down from that. There's going to be a sense of, okay, I've got to adjust emotionally and, and take care of my, my personal baggage. (laughs) because <laughs> I can't distract myself with my work
0: I forgot that you were really depressed for weeks after um so I'm glad that you brought that up um because yeah I mean it makes lots of sense you know like you this has taken up so much of your brain for however many long and the next thing you know okay it's done and it's like oh well, that's great. I'm really happy that it went well and that I passed, but now it's like, oh, that really did take up a lot of your brain. And so it's like, now what can you do? And yeah, that's, I don't remember what I felt like afterwards. I mean, cause I was still taking a class based off of, um, just sort of some of the logistics of my degree. Cause usually when you're taking exams, you're not in coursework and I was, um, so I still have to finish a whole another like seminar paper. So um, I kind of didn't really have anything, but I did kind of obviously try to relax as much as I could. But yeah, and then I moved on to the next thing in the semester, which is funny because, like, I at first, when I was before I even did the exams, I was like, dang, OSU does you can do both exams in a year, and I have one semester. Like, I thought that was a lot, but I'm kind of happy that it ended up going that way. And um, then I was done, and then I could move on to the next thing. But man. Comprehensive exams are a roller coaster that just seems to keep going up and up and up and then have a very harsh drop when you're done. So,
1: well, I mean, at least that was, that was my experience. Again, I think one of the things that's kind of cool about them is that I think the experience is unique to each individual. And that's part of the point because so much of it is you working on your own and figuring out your own process. I think that's, for me, that's really the point of the exercise.
0: So let's wrap up with maybe some advice or maybe talking a little bit about evaluating expectations or, or what is something that you'd like to leave um, listeners who might be thinking about a PhD or going to be doing one or, you know, anything like that? What is something that you'd you want them to know?
1: The biggest one, and I think I've, I've told this to you before, is is that I promise you it's all manageable that when you first get introduced to the tasks and there are multiple tasks you know the list committee preparation all of it um the writing part of it the defense part of it it seems like so much um and it is it, it's, it's it's more than you could possibly do in you know just in terms of your preparation then you can even sort of process in in a in a day you know in terms of think about all the things you have to do but it's manageable if you start to sort of reduce the larger process into specific tasks, like just getting your list started, meeting with one of your committee members and going over the list and not sort of worry about all of the hurdles that are ahead of you and you just sort of reduce it to the specific task, it really is manageable. As you start to cross off each one, you, the, that list gets shorter and shorter. Um, you know, to me, the, the funniest part is you sort of go through all of this early stuff with the list and the committee, just so you can get to the point where, okay, now I get to prepare for the exam itself, you know, which which then is like another, you know, two or three months of, of stress, but it's manageable. I promise it's all manageable. If you just take one task at a time, even though at times for many of us, it really does feel overwhelming.
0: That's great. I, I mean, I would echo that. Um, you can do it. It is doable. And you just kind of keep at it with step-by-step. Step. Um, I would say that it's a learning process. I mean, that like, that's just it. Like you, there's not one way to do this and everybody's way is going to be different, even from reading and whether or not you want to take notes as you're reading or whatever it is that, you know, how you do your exam, like all of it is a learning process Absolutely. and, So because it's a learning process, there's no need for you to think that there's this one way to do it. So try to eliminate that aspect of it, because I think a lot of the times kind of like we started um, saying earlier about these expectations, like, man, those expectations really are the things that kind of like create that emotional toll on you. Like, I think I need to have 50 books on each exam and I need to read these books in this way. It's like, where did you get those expectations from? Like, why? Why? Why are you doing that? And if I've learned anything is that I had to learn how to do every single step of this comprehensive exam process by just doing it. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I can't I can't hold myself to an expectation because that's not how it works. You have to learn by doing. I think just do it. Just go through it. There's not really one way to do it. So lean on that use that flexibility and that freedom and just kind of go through the steps and then by the end you'll say i know how to take a comprehensive exam and it worked for me and i passed and so just learn just learn in the process learn the methodology learn you know to evaluate why it is that you're doing what you're doing learn how to create a graduate class learn about the field like just use this as as an opportunity to learn
1: i think that's a great way to think about phd programs in general graduate programs in general You know, I mean, of course, we all have goals. We all have expectations, jobs, you know, recognition if if you're publishing, things like that. But if you just look at it, no, this is a learning process. I'm learning as much about myself as I am about the field. I think that's a great way to think about it.
0: This is a fun episode, even though it was very emotionally exhausting to go back to these experiences. But is there anything else you want to add before we close, Mark?
1: Just that I'm very proud of you.
0: I'm very proud of you, doctor. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, I'm very uh, proud. If you're a student at UCSD, please take my uh, Synthesis 200 class in the fall.
0: Yes, you. Um, if you end up taking Mark's class or you hear about him at UCSD, you see, uh, you, UCSD, um, Mark is going to be the best professor you'll ever have. I mean that wholeheartedly. He is incredible. And I'm just so proud of him and everything he's doing. Thank you. Well, then that's going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you, Mark, for being a guest and giving us insight into the emotional toll you experience with comprehensive exams.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I hope it's useful for people. Um, you know, like I said, sometimes it's just nice to hear other people's experiences so you don't feel like you're going through it alone.
0: And that's exactly why this podcast exists. I love it. I love it. So if y'all have any questions or any topics you want us to cover, go ahead and email us at thephd2bpodcast at gmail.com or go ahead and follow us at thephd 2 podcast on Instagram. I will see you on the next one. Bye.